0: James chapter 5, we Lord permitting, this will be our last message to finish out the book tonight, and so we're at the end of this chapter, we've been going through uh, the book of James, and tonight I want to finish this out, uh, it kind of really actually goes together as far as the remainder, of the, ver- the we're in, actually verse number 13 down to verse number 20, and it kind of all just kind of culminates together as uh, James writes this, let's go ahead and pray and ask the Lord's blessing on his word, and then we'll look at it together. Heavenly Father, thank you again for the season, I should you to plan again that we'd Again, point people to you, and Lord, thank you again for your son, Jesus, who came and died for us. Now, Father, as we look at your word tonight, Lord, again, open up our eyes of understanding. Help us, Father, to see things, uh, Lord, through your eyes, and may we again apply it to our own lives. Thank you for your word, and Lord, would you bless it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church family, just a kind of a few sentences, if I don't mind, as far as a recap on the book of James. I look at the James as a whole, that James is writing to these believers who are having a rough time. The reason I say that is because when you look through the book of these different five chapters, we find verses that are talking about the afflictions and things that people were going through. In chapter number one, he says, my brethren, verse two, he says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. In verse 12, he says, blessed is a man that endureth temptation. In chapter 1, the, end of, the uh, end of it, in verse 27, he says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. So when you look at the book as a whole, we find it again and again and again. He's talking about this, this group of believers that are having a rough time. In chapter 5, in verse number 10, Take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. And so he comes to the end of this letter And if you think about the people he's writing to, they're going through affliction. He's teaching them to have patience. He's talking to them that the trial of their faith uh, will build patience. And he's going through all of this. And then he ends the chapter with, with, I think, a subject that is very elementary in the verse that we use. But in the context we fail to understand, it's because people were going through a rough time. Now that idea or thought tonight is this idea of prayer. Now look at your Bible in verse number 13. James 5, verse 13, the Bible says this Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is uh, is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15 And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias, talking about Elijah... Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of 3 years and 6 months and he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit brethren if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins but church I, mean, I wanted to read those verses first tonight because I want Lord me I want to walk back through these verses But I want you to get in your mind as far as what's going on, as far as what James is talking about. Now, James is writing under the inspiration of God. James is not telling us his thoughts. James is telling us what God wants us to know. So God is speaking to us about this area of praying. And specifically, there's lots in this chat, these last verses, about prayer. And I want to, first of all, let's look at the interpretation. And I want to share quickly three thoughts with you about this idea of prayer, especially if you're going through a rough time. Verse number 13, look back now. He says this, is any among you afflicted? Now, church, I mean, that word afflicted means to undergo hardship. So here's what James is writing. He's writing to this group of believers. I believe he's writing to a church. And he's writing to this, this group of believers and he says, hey, listen, is there anybody undergoing hardship? And then he asks the question and then he gives the answer. All right, he's, That's the kind of teacher you want. Here's the question. Here's the answer. So first of all, he says, is any of you afflicted, meaning to, uh, to undergo hardship? And he says, now, here's the answer. Let him pray. Now, specifically, he's talking about the individual going under hardship. Now, I want to tell you why that's important. Because later he's going to say, get others to pray for you. So here he's saying, if you're going through a rough time, you pray. I want to tell you, so many times we uh, allow ourselves to stay under hardship Because of us not praying. Hey, by the way, it's okay to get everybody to pray for you, but it's got to start with you, all right? And if you're going through a hard time, look what he says next, his second statement here. He says next in verse 13, is any merry, now that word merry means to cheer up. Now, I get the impression because of the questions that are asked and the meanings behind the word that he's saying, okay, if you're under ongoing hardship, here's here's what you need to do, you need to pray. If you need cheered up, because he's using the word merry there and it means to cheer up, he says, in verse number 13, he says, "Is any Mary, what's the answer to being cheered up? He says, what should you do? Let him sing songs. All right, now I want to tell you, there's something about singing that can cheer you up. He says, well, I don't get cheered up. I mean, think about the biblical stories that we have in the Old Testament. Saul was having a rough time, troubled by a spirit, an evil spirit. What's the first thing he did? He called for somebody to come play a harp. There's something about music for our Christian life, that's important to cause us to cheer up. All right? Look what else he says here. Not only does he say, uh, if you're afflicted, then you should pray. If you need cheered up, you should sing psalms. Verse number 14. Is any sick among you? Here's the question, here's the answer. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, again, walking through this together. The first question, you pray. Second question, you need cheered up, you sing. Third question, okay, you're sick. Then you call for the elders of the church. Now, church family, uh, Lord, permitting, we'll kind of hit this in detail maybe a little bit tonight. We don't talk a lot about anointing people with oil, and very few people do it. My wife and I, uh, we had a time in our life that we were anointed with oil. is when we went to that period of time of not having children, and we were wanting children. Um, I would say in the time that we've been at Heritage, going from memory, there's probably been maybe four, uh, maybe four or five most Uh, times in these 30 years where i've actually anointed somebody with oil this is a biblical thing here this is not something that uh, somebody made up Uh, there's no magic in the oil it's just olive oil is what it is Um, and then that oil uh, when a person comes whether it's a sickness or they're going through a a rough time uh, physically uh, what we would do is anoint them with oil and the bible says the elders of the church in our case we use our deacons as those elders of the church And the deacons and I would come, and uh, I would anoint their forehead with oil. All of us would be around. We would pray for that particular person, for their particular need. This was a biblical thing that James was telling them to do. And so he says, now listen, is there any sick among you? That word sick is talking about the idea of being feeble, all right? So I don't know what, what kind of sickness was going on, but it was causing a person that, you know, it was a trouble to their life. And so he says, now, if you're sick, he says, have the elders come and anoint you with oil. Now, look at verse number 15. I want you to notice the oil is not what healed them. Verse 15, it says, in the prayer of faith shall save the sick. All right, so there's no magic in the oil. The oil, I believe, is just a picture of the Holy Spirit of God that does the work in the believer's life. But it's because of the prayer of faith that causes that person to be healed. All right, so there's what he says next. He says, in the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. All right, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be, what's the word? Healed. I think the word healed ties verse 16 back to verse number 14 and 15. Is there any sick among you? So in the context here, he's saying, if there's somebody that's sick and they need, they need a healing from God, what they need to do is they need to call for the elders for this anointing of oil if they've committed sins, now the word if is important. We'll come back to that. It's not, it's not everybody that's sick is a sinner, righty. And so we understand that from Scripture. But if there's sin involved, he says, listen, they need to confess their sins. And then look what heals them in verse number 16. He says, the last part of verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, church family, I believe we can use that for anything. You do not have to be an elder of the church to be an effectual fervent prayer, all right the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much and we should have that same kind of praying in our life all right now I'm getting to the message tonight but as we finish walking through this let me stop and talk about these words for a second here I think the phrase is connected to the elders of the church in other words these elders of the church should have been righteous men that would come and pray over these people but the principle is the same whether you're the pastor a deacon or a member of the church all of us can, it doesn't matter if we're a man or a woman, by the way, the effectual, the word effectual means to be active, all right? The word fervent, we get the word boil, we use the word boil, but it means intensity, the effectual, fervent prayer. Prayer meaning petition or request of a righteous man. Righteous meaning holy, uh, just. Availeth, which means it adds force to. Now, I want to tell you something, a lot of times we pray, there's no force to our prayers, and it's because we're not actively praying, we're not fervently praying. We're not praying with the right life backed up with the prayer that is given. And so it does not have force to it. It does not avail much. The effect, by the way, it's a promise. That's not just a statement. The effectual fervent prayer availeth much. God does something with a prayer of a person who's right with him, who prays persistently and fervently for God to do something. Just remember, if we're not careful, our prayers can become very shallow and very formalistic Instead of having this heat, this boiling, this fervency in our life. Now, by the way, uh, uh, our personalities are different when it comes to praying, okay? And there's no doubt about it, okay? My cousin Chris and I are two separate people. But what I'm telling you is when he prays, he gets excited. I mean, it doesn't matter who's around when he's praying. If you go to a place to eat, don't ask Chris to pray. Because everybody in the restaurant will know that you're praying, all righty? He's just, he's just a very, there's heat, there's fervency when he prays, okay? Now, my fervency is not quite boiling like his is boiling. But the idea is, is that there is supposed to be an intensity about, God, I know you can do this. I'm asking you to do this. I want you to do this. By the way, we get this same principle when we ask for something for ourselves, whether it's something at work or our child coming to us and asking for a parent to do something. How much do you want it? So the effectual, fervent prayer, how much do you want it? There's an intensity, there's, but there's force with that prayer. Look what he says next now. He gives us an example of a person who prayed like that. Elias was Elijah, verse 17. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. So church family, you don't have to be an effectual, fervent prayer because you're angelic or you have these supernatural powers. He was, Elijah was subject to like passions as we are. He was just a human being. Elijah was the one that called fire down from heaven, but the same time that that miracle took place was the same time that there was no rain on earth because Elijah prayed to God and said, God, Ahab's not doing right, Israel's not doing right, they're serving Baal, stop, don't send any rain, and for three and a half years it didn't rain, and that's what gathered everybody together for Elijah to look at everybody and say, hey, why halt you between two, two opinions, either God's God or Baal's God, and you remember the story, fire comes down from heaven, and then of course he prays for rain, and then it rains, So the example that we have of an effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man is Elijah. That should be us. You say, well, pastor, I, I can't call fire down from heaven. and I can't cause it to rain. Hey, you're not the one calling fire down from heaven. You're not the one sending. It's God that's answering the prayer of faith. So here's what he says next. In verse number 19, he says, brethren, that's how we know he's talking to Christians. Brethren, if any of you, verse 19, do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Now, church family, I know that there are probably many a person that would define these last two verses as soul winning. I know that there's probably most people that would look at verse number 20, or verse number 19, verse number 20 really, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of, of his way shall save a soul from death. We use those statements all the time. If you would just accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't have to die and go to hell. Hey, Jesus is the only way to heaven. If you, Jesus died on the cross and took your place, that you could be saved. Yeah. So when we look at this verse, we are, it's easy for us to say that this is talking about soul winning. Because let him that know that he which converteth. And by the way, do we not use the word convert? Or the word Conversion? That's not who he's talking about here in the context of the scripture. And there's several reasons. First reason being verse number 19. What's the first word in verse 19? He says, brethren. The second reason that I, he says, brethren, if any of you uh, do err from the truth, you being brethren, brethren, if any of you do err. The third reason is in the context of what's going on is he's talking about the person who's calling for the elders of the church to come pray for them. And if they have sinned, confess your faults one to another that they may be healed. Are you with me so far? So in verse number 19 and 20, it's talking about us helping fallen brethren. It's about helping those, that, that word heir means to roam. It means to go astray. It means to be out of the way. So in verse number 19, brethren, if any of you do err, what does he mean? To go astray, to be out of the way. Hey, I wish that once you got saved, you stayed on the straight and narrow. I wish that once we got saved, we were never tempted and we never yield to temptation. But church family, every Christian has a flesh and has a spirit. And sometimes a person gets off track. Can I just tell you, what does he say in Galatians 6, verse number 1? And ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. God wants us to help the fallen brethren. All right now, with the context of what's going on, there are three people to pray for in this passage. He's getting down to the, the end of his letter, and he says, now, listen. I know you're going through a rough time. I know you're going through affliction. I know you're going through trouble. I know you're going through problems in your life. He says, now, I want to tell you what you need to do. Is any afflicted? Is any merry? Is any sick? Now, these questions were not if. There were, there were people who were undergoing hardships. There were people who needed cheered up. There were people who were feeble and that were sickly. There was no doubt those those were in the church that James is writing to, and James gives them a good answer. And the very first answer is you need to pray. Now, church, I want you to notice the three people, and again, I think you see them already, but let's just re- look at them quickly tonight. The first person, I want you to look back in verse number thirteen again. I'm sorry, verse fourteen. The very first person he says to pray for in verse fourteen is: "Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him." In verse number uh, verse number um, verse sixteen, confess your faults one to another, and pray for who? Pray for one another. Now, church, I mean the one another. There, he says, pray for one another that that ye may be healed is talking about the person that's sick. So the very first person that he, that's mentioned in this passage we're supposed to pray for is we're supposed to pray for the sick. Now, I don't know about you, but isn't it interesting that when you look at our prayer bulletin, there's a large majority of people who just are praying for healing. I mean, that's who we're supposed to pray for, is for those who are sick. Now, I I, I think I mentioned already, but I just want to make a note here in verse 15. He says, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. Look at this little word, and if. And if he have committed sins, he shall be forgiven him. I think the reason the Lord put the word if there is because not everybody that sins is sick. right? Church I want you to look at another verse for me, if I can quickly find it. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me just hit something here. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Jump down to the end of the chapter here. This is the Lord's Supper chapter that we normally look at and read when we take the Lord's Supper. In verse number uh, 29, and for he that eateth, verse 29, 11, 29, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily or irreverently, unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and what? Sickly among you and many sleep. In other words, they die. Verse 31, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not what? All right. Now, church, verse 30 again, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you. me, there are times that people are sick because of sin. You know, God's the one that punishes a person who is not doing right and sometimes there is a sickness that God allows and we'll mention some of those later but this first person that we're supposed to pray for that is that is the person that's sick think about this church family remember the man that was born blind and the disciples said hey Jesus did he sin or did his parents sin Jesus' answer was that this blindness was for the glory of God We understand that there are different reasons for sickness. Job was sick for the testing of his faith. The lepers uh, had leprosy for a showing of gratitude. Naaman, think about that, the only reason Naaman came to God was because he got leprosy. And he decided to go to, to a real prophet to find out if there was a real God that could heal him of that leprosy. I'm just trying to get us to think about tonight that as we look at this passage that we are supposed to pray for those who are sick. Now, Church, I mean, most of the time the ones that we pray for are sick are only the ones that are closest to us. But we're really supposed to put ourselves in another person's shoes, and we're supposed to think about a person who's going through a hard time physically in their life that are sick. And Church, I mean, I, I, we have many, and many that are not even on the prayer bulletin that are really having a rough time physically, and we should pray for them. Church, I mean, the second person are, that I want to notice here is not only is the person we're supposed to pray for the sick, but in verse number 15 and 16, we're supposed to pray for the sinner. In verse number 15, again, he talks about the prayer of faith will save the sick and if he have committed sins, verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. I feel again that the tie of the end of the chapter is going back to the person that's sick possibly because of their sin. In verse 19, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Now church, let me think for just a second here. If he's talking about Christians here, and I believe he is because he says brethren, and if he's talking about Christians here, because he says that ye, talking about which any of you, if a person who walks away from God, a person who gets out of church, a person who's not doing right in their life, church family, there ought to be a Christian that is praying for the sinner to come back to God. Yeah. Church family, Ecclesia Church just is a called, a called out assembly. God allows us to assemble with other sinners. Look to your right, look to your left. They're both there. We have sinners that are involved in a church because there are no perfect people until we get our glorified body with the Lord Jesus Christ, we still do things that are wrong. But God has an ecclesia, a called out assembly, a body, a bride, a building so that we can edify one another to cause us to stay on the straight and narrow, to help us to do that which is right. Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Just we, sometimes the Holy Spirit of God brings somebody to your mind who has gotten out of church who has, or who has gone away from God, and that person comes to your mind. That is not an accident. Call them, text them, pray for them. Yeah. He says we're supposed to pray for the sick, but we're supposed to pray for the sinner. Sometimes sin causes a person to get sick. Think about Miriam getting leprosy, Gehazi getting leprosy. Asa, the king, the Bible says the king that did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, and yet in the latter years of his life turned away from God, and God diseased him in his feet, and instead of looking to God, he looks to the physicians. Can can I tell you, sometimes God punishes a person with sickness, as we see from 1 Corinthians 11, how many were sickly among them because they had sin in their life, and when it came to partaking of the Lord's Supper, they did not confess and forsake their sin. Proverbs 28, 13, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Me, who was the person who denied the Lord Jesus Christ? It's Peter. Peter, before the cock crow, you're going to deny me thrice. He said, I'll never deny you. I'll die with you. Remember what Jesus said? I've prayed for you. Amen. I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. Jesus, I want to tell you something. we do a lot less gossiping and a lot less criticizing if we prayed more. Right. Yeah. We're supposed to pray for the sinner. I won't have you turn to it, but I find it interesting. Jesus, when I quote uh, Proverbs chapter 3, it's chapter 3, I think it's verse 11, 11, 12. My son, not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son whom he delighteth. Those same two verses are repeated in Hebrews chapter number 12. But what's interesting in Hebrews chapter 12 is what comes after them. Please follow me now. My son despise not the chasing of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. But in Hebrews chapter 12, he finishes the verses by saying this: Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. But let it rather be healed. What's, what is all that about? How does it go from you're my child and because I love you I'm going to punish you to finishing it out by saying the feeble needs, the straight path that needs to be straight again, the person who's turned out of the way and let him rather be healed? You know I believe the Bible's teaching us? We're supposed to pray for sinners. Amen. We're supposed to be to help up, not, not kick them when they're down, lift them up. We're supposed to be there to pray for them and encourage them to keep going in their life. You know, I think so many times, I don't know if it's pride or just jealousy. Do you see how satanic it is when you're happy when another Christian's fallen? What is Satan called? The accuser of the brethren. Do you understand how important it is for us to help somebody who's fallen? I want to tell you something. There, aren't more, there are not more churches opening than there are churches closing. That's right. Let me give you another, mis- another one. There are more people not going to church than are going to church. Yeah, right. And then we as brethren and sisters in Christ, we, we want to spread gossip or we want to condemn. Church, can I just tell you that God says, hey, listen, I'm going to give back to you in the same measure that you measure out on how you give, how you forgive, how you judge, and how you condemn. Yeah. I'm just saying, James closes it out. and He says, listen, you should be praying for the sick. You should be praying for the sinner. Yeah. Amen. Last of all, I want you to think about this and it's in verse number 16 as well. Confess your faults one to another, verse 16, and pray one for another. Trish remember, who's the, who's the one for another? Who are, who, who's he talking to? He's talking to Christians. Not only should we pray for the sick and pray for the sinner, we should be praying for the saved. All right, so this morning, Sunday's a little bit different for me. This morning was actually different than normal, but so this morning I got here a little bit earlier than normal. You know, you're funny because most of you sit in the same spot all the time. So the, the place is empty. Brother Mice came through a couple times, but he didn't, he didn't say anything to me. He just looks at me funny, but he went on and did his thing. But when I came over to here, I can tell you this morning when praying, this morning I was sp- spending some time in prayer. God, would you please help Brother Sister Young today? Help Kai and Lexi, help them to do right. We both know Kai and Lexi need help. <laughs> Lord, would you please help Brother Sister Woods? Would you bless them, encourage them? Help Michael and Gabriel and Daniel and Janelle helping to serve you, helping to do what's right you know it's, I can almost without you being here I can go through everyone in here to, as far as you pray for the bonds I mean they said at most, now next, next service you're all going to switch things up but I'm just telling you <laughs> as a general rule I can go through and while you're here I can mentally know exactly where you're at it works better for me could go alphabetical so I don't miss anybody as far as going through praying for one another. Church of me, you will not know till you get to heaven the power of the effectual fervent prayer availeth much the force that comes with those prayers. Listen, I don't know how you are, but I, sometimes I get kind of discouraged praying for the church family because I don't always know what they need. And I'm the pastor. But I learned I do not have to figure out everything that you need. I just have to pray for you. Amen. Just tell I me, mean, don't make it difficult. It's real simple. Father, would you please bless brothers and sisters to follow you? Would you please help Reagan and Brian to grow up to serve you? Would you help them to do your will and would you give them wisdom for life? You can pray generally and God takes care of things specifically. Right. Amen. I don't have to know what all the burdens and problems that he's going through in his life. God knows what they are. Amen. All we have to do is pray. Some of you in here, prayer is a a burden. Sometimes prayer is a burden to you because you know you should do it, but you're not. And so what happens? You get discouraged in your Christian life because you don't feel like you're praying for everybody. Stop getting discouraged. Figure out how to pray for everybody. Even if you prayed for 10 families a day, I don't remember the exact number. I think it's close to 70. Um, But if you prayed for 10 families a day, just for those 10 families, you'd pray for the entire church family in a week. You know, I don't know if the judgment seat of Christ is, if, God's gonna, if that's where God's going to show us where we could have done better. I don't think the judgment seat of Christ is the judgment for our sins. Our sins were judged, judged at the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he judged everybody's sins. That's how we can be saved, by putting our faith in Christ. But if the judgment seat of Christ is where the rewards are going to be passed out. And I wonder how many rewards we're going to miss out on because we were so busy in our own life that we didn't pray for somebody else's life. I've told you the story before, but years ago, but there's a boy named Jesse Napier. Jesse came to my dad's for, place for help. And Jesse Napier came, and he came, he came out of a, you know, he was in high school about, I think he was a junior, if I remember correctly. And my dad took him in, and Jesse didn't come from a good, I mean, he was involved in some really bad stuff. And So he came to the Christian school, and he, the first, first semester was a little bit of adjustment. But the second semester, Jesse had turned the corner. Jesse wanted to do right. Jesse was starting to read his Bible. Jesse was starting to, to, to pray. Jesse was starting to obey authorities in his life. Jesse had gotten things right with his parents. I will never forget when school ended in May and he was going to go home for the summer. And he came to me and he said, hey, listen, I'm going to go back home and I'm telling you all the temptations I had in life are back there. Would you at least pray for me? And I said, yes. But I did not pray for him. You know, Jesse Napier Napier never came back to school in the the fall. I don't even know where Jesse Napier ended up in life. From what I understood, he went back to the old life. And you know what? Part of that is, I feel like, fell on me because he asked me to pray for him. And to be honest with you, the effectual, fervent prayer availeth much. If I would have just prayed for him, there's a good chance he would have come back in the fall. There's a good chance he could be serving the Lord today, some way, somehow. Can I just tell you, all the people that you're rubbing shoulders in here, They need your prayers. They need your prayers. You know, sometimes we look at the young people's lives and we think, boy, God, would you please help them to stay pure and clean and help them to do right and help them to serve with their life. Can I just tell you something? The young people that are sitting in this room need God's prayer just as much as the senior saints need God's prayer. So who should we pray for? We should need to pray for the sick. Who should we pray for? We need to pray for sinners. Who should we pray for? We need to pray for the saints. We need to pray for the saved. We need to pray for one another. Church, man, I'm done. There's people inside this room that all you see them is on Sunday, and really throughout the week you don't we don't see each other really. But you know, and they come back. But their life is full of temptation and problems and hardship. And people at work that are giving them a hard time because they're living like a Christian or trying to live like a Christian. They're going to give up. You know what helps us not give up? God. And you know what causes that to happen? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. availeth much. I want to tell you, there's some of you that are miracles of God's grace. Not because of you, but because of God. There's people in this room that are miracles of God's grace. And and you know it, and maybe don't really fully know you, but you will one of these days. The only reason you're still in church, the only reason you're still trying to serve God, the only reason you're doing right, because somebody prayed for you. Say, where do you get that from? Peter, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. But when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. Isn't it interesting that Jesus used the same word for converted that James used that he said, hey, listen, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, he'll save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Church family, that phrase multitude of sins is only mentioned one other time and it's because of charity. Charity covereth the multitude of sins. You know what causes us to try to help somebody who's a sinner that's falling and that need help up? Charity. It's a love for the brethren. Think about your prayer time. Think about your prayer life. All of us should be people who pray. And I want to tell you, if you're having a rough time in your life, you need to pray more than ever before. And you need others to pray for you too. Would you bow your head and close your eyes tonight? Let's take a moment of prayer tonight.